I'm excited tonight because I have the privilege of introducing a great pastor. Steve Miller and his wife Lillian have pastored for 17 years in a great community of Michigan. It's called Three Rivers. They pastor New Hope Assembly of God. Not only leadership in that church, but leadership with the entire Michigan district. These are great people. I could go on and on about their ministry, but I want to tell you these are two of the greatest people. Uh, They are true friends to Kelly and me, and I just wanted you to know them, and I wanted you to receive the word of the Lord that I know he's given Steve tonight. Would you stand and welcome Pastor Steve and Lillian Miller to the assembly tonight? Come on, make them welcome. Thank you. God bless you. Well, I'll tell you, I am still resonating. I will never look at, I will never see Joseph without James after this morning. I'll never see James without Joseph. That was a great weave you had there this morning, Pastor. You preached that better than when I preached it at my church. I'll tell you. Stay off, stay off my webpage, all right? Nah, I'm just playing. I'm only playing. I mailed it to him. He didn't take it off my webpage, no. That was great, and I'll tell you what, I feel a little bit like, with the pastor that you have, the preaching machine that you have, I feel a little bit like pinch hitting for A-Rod, that's how I feel, and I mean that, and of course, and worship team, and, and uh, musicians, whoo, man, I'll tell you, fantastic, I know you know what you got, you do know what you got, right, and you're grateful, amen, give the Lord praise. I know that there are special things in store for this assembly because I I was with uh, Pastor Ron in his former church and I saw how much he loved them and how God was using him there, him and Kelly and the family, and I saw how much they loved that church. And so for God to do this um, ordained transplant, something great, it wouldn't be like God to move him from some place where something great was happening if something greater was not going to happen. As you walk out God's will for your life. Now, if you believe that, say amen. You, you folks in Memphis, you're just going to have to pout. All right? Tonight, though, I want us to open up to the Second Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Are you there? Say I'm there. Now... They promised me a lot of, like, exciting lighting and a lot of stuff's going to be going on behind me. So I'm expecting, I'm not going to get to see it, but you just ooh and ah when I'm preaching, okay? And I'll assume it's about the, not about the, I won't distract you with my words, all right? Can you give me an ooh or something? Or, no? All right. All right. Ooh, no, no, that doesn't, that, that, all right. Second Samuel, put it up there if you got it, uh, Chapter 23, verse 1 says, These are the last words of David. I went on the uh, internet not long ago and looked up famous last, last words. You can go on there and see all the people you've ever heard of or never heard of, and they will have up there the famous last words of those people, what they said right before they died or the last things they said that was noteworthy before they passed on. And, you know, when I thought about I saw this in the, in the, in the uh, word here, the famous, the last words of David, I thought, man... I thought this ought to be important. So if it's important enough to be, be uh, chronicled here and important enough to be in God's Word, it ought to be important to us. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, 
Help us to have open minds to, to receive it in our, in, our, in, in our consciousness and open hearts to do something with it when we get it. Now, we believe that by faith in Jesus' name. All God's people say it. Amen. These are the last words of David. I thought about that and I thought, well, now the last words of David, I think this is probably going to be about, well, he was a giant killer. He also, he also man, he was, a, he was an animal conqueror with his bare hands. Surely as he's laying there on his deathbed and he gathers the people around him, he's going to talk about victory. And isn't victory a great thing? And how many of you know what it's like to be victorious? Let me see your hand. It's a wonderful thing to come across maybe to go into a, a time of uh, uh, a battle and come through with victory. In fact, it's such a great time when you get through that victory. You're standing or you're kneeling. Maybe it's through a spiritual battle. Or you just come through the other side. Maybe it's through confrontation or something. And you get to that other side. You know it was God who brought you through. He gave you the words to say. He brought you through. And there's a closest to know. It's just like you, know, you get through it and you say, yeah, Lord, just you and me, baby. Just you and me. We did it. There's a, cl- a partnership there. There's a closest there. Surely David's going to get him around him and he's going to say, let me tell you how to kill the giants. Let me tell you how to kill the beast in your life. Surely these would be the last words. And then I thought, well, of course he also knows what it's like. He also knows what it's like to be tempted. Probably he's going to gather his men around and people who he can influence. He's going to say, here's what happens when you're in temptation perhaps he's going to tell him he's going to say listen now don't wait and you get this too don't wait till you're in temptation to establish your convictions that's not the right time to establish your convictions once you're in temptation you you won't ever see the victory you've got to establish your convictions and and uh, adopt your your values not when you're in the midst of temptation but as you walk out your growth and your life. So David surely is going to tell him about what it's like to be tempted and how he, or maybe he's going to say, hey, get away from the window. Don't hang out on the roof. Or maybe he's going to, maybe with his last words, he's going to talk to him about how it feels to fail and what to do when you failed so miserably, what to do when you've fallen. And the shame and the grief and the guilt is there. And you lean on the words of the scriptures that say that we can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. You muster up the fortitude to come to an altar, whether it be the altar at the foot of your bed or pull your car over at this front of this great church. And you bow your knee and you say, it's a wonderful feeling, isn't it, when you get to that place where you're broken and contrite before God. He will not ignore it. The Bible says that perhaps I'm wondering if David didn't talk about how, how when he got to that place where he was so broken, so torn up, Nathan had come in and done his thing and he reached a place where he was able to say, God, I'm going to face the music. It's more important to me to go through that, through that uh, embarrassment and sh- even a little bit of that shame and go through that. I want to get to a place where there's healing. I'm going to go through that place. It's, I know that. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe you've failed or fallen. It's the most wonderful thing after you've failed and fallen to get back into the face and go into the arms of God and let Him restore you. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's a closest that's really like none other. Of course, I would to God I would never feel it again. I would to God I'd never need to feel that again. Sure, He's going to talk about how after the Bathsheba incident that He was able to, and the Uriah incident, He was able to restore that. That's what He's going to do. 
The famous last words. This is it. He's got him around. He's, he's dying and he's going to tell him that story. I wonder. The Bible says then in the story he told was this one in verse 13. It says, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. Now, the Bible says, if you understand what happens here, war was fought a little differently then. They would, they would circle a city or they'd circle a group of people. David's hiding down in a cave. Really, it was just a hole. It wasn't a cave like you think of going to visit a cave and driving through a jeep. This was basically a, a, a pit, a filthy, smelly pit. And they're down there. They're circled around. No food can get in. No food can get out. No water can get in. No water can get out. A lot of times they didn't even have to, didn't even have to raise a sword. They would just put the armies around and they would circle a, a city or a camp of men and just wait. They just waited out. No food would come in. No food would, no water would come in. After a while, they'd surrender. And it's at this time, the Bible says that David, it says, David longed for water and said, oh, that someone, now, now in English, it says, it says that he said it, but a better word there was be, he kind of, he kind of sort of whispered it. He kind of said under his breath, oh man, he was thinking back to his, his boyhood home. Hopefully, when you think back to home, it's a good memory. But he's thinking about the sweet water of the well of Bethlehem. And he says, you know, he's surrounded. He can't get to it. But he says, oh, that I could just, I'm so thirsty. I'm so hot. I'm so, that I could just get that water. That I could just get a drink from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to uh, shout it out. He doesn't have to, um, he doesn't have to make any, uh, commands. He doesn't have to give out any, to ask for any volunteers. He says, he just whispered his under the breath. He says, all that I would get, I would, I would just get some water. There's no commands, no orders issued. You know, when I was a, when I was um, a young man, my mom would have to go through a lot of, my dad would leave the house, mom would leave the house, they'd give me a bunch of chores. Anybody get chores when your parents leave? You know, we didn't have 137 channels. We didn't have video games. You know, my father thought that if he had three sons and he felt like you can work, you ought to work, you know. And, I, and, and dad would give a list of chores and there was no excuses, you know. I got married and, and uh, I tried to get my wife to make out a list because I thought, make me a list, I'll do the list, and then I can watch the game. My, mom got, my wife got wise to that. My wife didn't want to ever give a list. She just wanted me to just kind of have a theme, a cleaning theme. How many men know what I'm talking about? You know, when it, comes to, when it comes to this story, we realize that the greater the relationship, the fewer the rules. The greater the relationship, the fewer the rules. David doesn't say, okay, I want you, you, and you. He just says, oh, oh, that I could get some, some water from the well. And the Bible says, you can put that next verse up, it says that three men step up and they say, hey, we'll go. We'll go. Can you imagine that? Think about that. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, or he could have ordered, he's the king. He could have said, I want you, you, and you to risk your life and go. But that's not what happens. He's telling this story and he's saying, here's what happened. 
He gathers his people around his dying breath. He says, I want to tell you. This made such an impression on him that as he's dying, he tells his story. He says, three guys hop up. And they say, it's me. You know, a lot of times we think the rules are the problem. But rules aren't the problem. Rules aren't the problem. If you've got a great relationship, listen, my relationship with Jesus is not based on rules. It's yours. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. You know, people... There are products that are out there. uh, We we live in a sue-happy society. Maybe not here, but up in the north, man. I mean, everybody, they'll sue you. You know, know, I I got a school, and we have to clean the sidewalk, and we have to get rid of the snow. You can't relate to that, I'm sure, but we got to get rid of all this snow and stuff. And and people are always looking. They slip and fall. You better shovel. You better salt. You have to do all these things because people, they're on to you. You know, I think people get out of your car. If you don't clear your walk, they just walk up anyway, and they try to fall. You know, they don't trust you. And people who make stuff, they don't trust you. They don't know us, so they give us all these rules. I, 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 I jotted a few things down. Here's some crazy rules because people don't even know who we are. i got to get my... I don't wear glasses, but my wife does, and I borrowed hers. I thought I could get by without it, but I can't, so... Here's the first one. You know those logs? Now, we have a lot of woods and trees and lumberjacks up north, but you know those logs you buy in the store? Have you ever looked at them closely? Because they're so, they don't know us, they don't trust us, it says on there, on the log, it says, Duraflame Log, caution, risk of fire. I hope so. It's a fireplace log. And then I looked at this other thing. Now remember now, there's no relationship. They don't know. They, pre, there's no, they have to give us these. There's an iron you can buy, more than one. And here's what it says to you geniuses. Do not iron clothes while wearing Really? They have to warn us about that? How many? Has, some of you have. Oh, my. Some people like putting their head down. I've done that. I've got a wrinkle there. Warning. Do not. Uh, here's another one. On drain cleaner. <laughs> Big skull and crossbone. It says, do not drink. Well, thanks for that advice. I mean, how, 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 uh, how, well, I won't say it. Here's another one. Fishing lure. There's hooks everywhere on this thing, about 12 hooks, all real sharp. You can't even hardly pick it up without cutting yourself. It says, harmful if swallowed. <laughs> Are they talking about the fish? It's hard on the fish. Who's going to? Warning, harmful if swallowed. Really? We have to be warned. There's no relationship. How about those CD things? You ever see those uh, iron, um, clamshell things around there? You buy one of those things. You need a blowtorch to get into it, to get the CD. By the time you get the CD out, it's it's old music. You don't even want it anymore. They've got another release. I've thrown several out of my car. I don't even like that guy. I just get rid of it. Here's one, a blow dryer. Now, we have one at at the hotel, but it it doesn't say on this one. I checked. I wish it would. I'd have brought it with me. And I'd have brought the iron, too. It said blow dryer. It said, do not use while sleeping. (laughs) Do people really get out of the shower, get in bed, turn the blow dryer on, and go to sleep? Really? They have to warn us about that. Has anybody ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Just come to the altar. Just come right to the altar. A baby stroller that they make, it says in the baby stroller, it says, remove infant before storing stroller. Where is Johnny? I haven't seen you. We put it. Somebody's going to store the stroller without? Really? But there's no relationship. They've got to communicate on the lowest level. It occurs to me that somebody 
stored their baby and said, you didn't tell me to take the baby out. But see, here's what we know, friends. When there's a healthy relationship, you don't need a lot of rules. You don't need a lot of rules. You don't need a lot of specifics. I went to, I went to watch my brother. He's a, he's a gifted pool player, and he was playing out in Vegas and on ESPN, and I was going to surprise him, so I went out to surprise him there, and we stayed at a, at a, a hotel that had a, uh, what do you call those things where they uh, gamble? What do they call them? Casinos, that's it. Well, oh, way to go. That's good. Who was that? What's his name? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. People from Memphis. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, Jesus. And you know, you know, my wife, you know, she, she knew I was going to stay. She didn't say, now, honey, when you get out there, don't take the mortgage money and, and gamble it all away. She didn't have to give me that rule. She didn't have to tell me, now, don't, you know, don't come back without a shirt. And, you, you know, walking in the airport, just, you know, and you, you know. Speaking of shirts, this is the first time I ever wore this shirt. I, got, I was so happy when they started letting the shirt tails be out. Because as we get older, man, we kind of blouse it a little bit, you know. Blouse a little more, blouse a little more, blouse a little more. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't you look at me, Travis, like you don't know. Blouse a little bit more yeah, or wear a sweater. Yeah, I know. So I said, this is great. And then I, then I said, I'll wear it out. First time. I, and now this makes my legs look like one of those little, those little ventriloquist dummy legs up here. I'm looking at the, what is that all? I don't, I just can't win. I don't know. That has nothing to, can you take that out? Can you take that off to edit that or something? Can you guys, yeah. Take that out. Please, I'm begging you. But anyway, but look at that. That's it. <laughs> they reached the ground, so that's all that matters. But anyway. See, my wife didn't have to tell me that. She didn't have to say, don't, don't, don't come back broke. Don't pay. Why? Because there's a relationship, see. You understand what I'm saying? David says, oh, man, I just, boy, I could just, I'm so thirsty. If I could just get some, we'll go. We hear what the king wants, we'll go. And three of them, the Bible says, they rush, they go. It says that mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. Isn't that good? That's good. Don't put it all up there, though. Take that last verse off. It's all right. We're doing this. You know, we're, I'm the directing. As I'm, I'm producing and directing. Now, think about that. He gets the water back. You know, the other thing is, how was it? How was it that they could hear what he said? Did you ever wonder about that? Well, number one, as I said, the greater the relationship, the fewer the rules. But number two, the deeper the relationship, get this now, the greater the accessibility. You may see somebody and you think, man, you know, they, 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 boy, they're so lucky. They have peace and, boy, they seem to, you know, they just, they're so fortunate. They don't deal with anger or whatever. whatever. You know, there's very few people. You, if you have a godly mom and dad, yeah, you get a little residue. You get a little residue from that, from that kind of environment. But most of the people who have this, they have, gone, they have, they have battled on their knees. There's no free lunch in this. They have worked through things. The deeper the relationship, the great. These three men that were around him, they were close. 
And if you're just going to try to live for God as a Sunday morning only, of course, you're here tonight, so one night a week, you're going to try to get, I'll take it a step further. With all due respect, you have one of the finest preachers I've ever heard, and I've heard a lot of them. But I'm telling you, it's not enough all by itself. It's not enough all by itself. Listening to a great pastor preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and and any other time was not supposed to take the place of your time alone with God. Now, I want you to know, how many of you have the church phone number? Let me see your hand. You have the church phone number. Yeah, you come here, you can get the church. And you can call the church, and uh, if you you know somebody, you can work through, and maybe you might get to Pastor Ron. You just might, you know. Tuesdays he's in from 2 to 4. <laughs> now, how many of you have his, his home phone number? By the way, this is my one and only time I'll be here, so, yeah. How many of you have his home phone number? Raise your hand. A few. A few more. Now, how many of you have his cell phone number? Let me see your hand. You see? The D, see did, you notice that, did you notice that Lindsay has all the numbers? Now, why is that? I thought, I don't know, I guess, I don't know where everybody else went, the fam. I, mean, I don't know where Ryan is, and I don't know where his beautiful bride is. Oh, there she is. Didn't she do a good job of singing tonight? Huh? Come on, get, come on, give her God bless you. You know, I know you didn't do that for me, but I pretended while you were doing it that you did it for me because I asked her to sing. Cause. See, the deeper the relationship, the greater accessibility I guarantee you she's got his cell number she definitely got his number trust me on that you see what I'm saying you don't have his cell number she's got it Lindsay's got it and I've got it why is that the deeper the relationship the greater the accessibility so you see somebody who seems to have a deeper or, or can get to God when he wants to, it's because they've gone deeper. And let me tell you something. If somebody comes in here and says they've got some gift from God or something special for God, they may have something special for God. But listen to me. They don't have anything that you can't have too. And when people start to preach that, I check out. They may pre- they've got stuff I don't have, but they don't have anything I can't have. So these three, David thinks, he wishes, and there's action. The king has a need. The Bible says this then. And I'll tell you what, when I read this, I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. These three guys have snuck through the enemy camp. They've got the king, the water. When they come back, the king's going to say, that's the way to go. And he's going to decorate them. And he's going to make an example out of them. Boy, they were close. They did what they were told. He's going to lift them up. They're going to get promoted. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says after David had wished that, whispered that, and they had risked their lives to get that for him, they came back and they presented it to the king. He said, we've got it for you. Now, 
You're not going to believe this, except that it's in the Bible. Some of you have read ahead. They present it to the king, and David takes that water, and he drinks from it, and he says, oh, thank you so much. Is that what happened? The, God's word says, David's telling this story. This made an impact on him. He's telling this story, to, and he says, I took it, and I poured it on the ground. Now, let me tell you something. You better be glad I wasn't one of the three. Now, wait a minute. What are you doing? We just risked our lives. We snuck in and stealth, got the water, got it back. You said you wanted it. We presented it to you. And you poured it on the ground, king. Why? You can go to Lakeland, Florida, and I would imagine Tulsa. I don't know. I'm from, I, I, did my, I did my undergraduate and graduated in 78, and then I waited 25 years and went back and got my master's because I had to wait for all the professors that were there the first time to retire. You go in that town and you'll meet people who started in ministry, presented themselves to Jesus. And, man, they didn't, they didn't, they thought they were going to go here or there. Or they said, I told the Lord I'd go, I wanted to be in a big church. Or I wanted to minister here. And I didn't get what I wanted. These Bible college towns are full of embittered students who presented themselves to the king. And they didn't like where he poured them out. And they're working in furniture stores. Nothing wrong with being a furniture salesman unless you're supposed to be a youth pastor in Biloxi, Mississippi. Nothing wrong. They're working in car, car lots, or they used to be. <laughs> but nothing wrong with being a car salesman or gardener or garbage man unless God wanted to pour you out somewhere else. Some of us have given, some people are in churches, and because they didn't get the lead in the, in the Christmas play, they're not even in the choir anymore. One guy, get this guy a solo quick. You know what I'm saying? They, they did what they thought the king wanted, and they didn't like the way he handled it, so they're done. Oh, they'll hang around just enough because they want to go to heaven. They smell the smoke, and they don't want to end up someplace else. But here's the thing, and here's the title of the message. This is point number three. The king can do whatever he wants. I said the king can do whatever he wants. When we give our lives to Jesus, we kneel around an altar. We're right there. We say, Lord, use me, mold me, make me. We sing, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. Really? When did we start calling the shots? We gave our life to Jesus, and sometimes we take it back. My wife and I, this year we're celebrating 30 years of marriage. How am I doing on time? I have no idea. There's no clocks in here. And, you know, I don't have Ryan. Ryan was supposed to be texting me the score, so I don't know. I just trust everything's all right.
30 years of marriage this summer. We've been married. I know, I know it doesn't, it's hard to, I was 11 years old when we got married. It, they said it wouldn't last. My wife was a little older, and that's really, just a little older. I'm already at the altar. I should just go ahead and kneel right here to go. We prayed. We said, we felt like God was calling us into ministry. Now, now, you think it was my plan to go to Michigan? God-forsaken frozen tundra? Have you been there in February? Paul said, be thankful whatever state you're in. He'd never been to Michigan in February. When I said yes to the ministry, I didn't know I would not see my, my sisters and brothers and their children, wouldn't be around them for birthdays. Or I'm not trying to make a pity party. I'm just saying, I mean, I, I didn't know I was going to be, hey, God called us. So we went to Mississippi and then, and then to Massachusetts and then to Alabama and then 23 years ago to Michigan. I don't even root for Michigan. I don't like Michigan. I love the people. I love my town. But do you think I would have picked I, went, I, I grew up in Connecticut where it's freezing. When I, picked, when I went to Bible college, I went to Suntan University, Lakeland, Florida. Tan Line University. The king can do whatever he wants. The king can do whatever he wants.